are in our series on mission, and these last four weeks, we have four weeks left in this series, and what we're going to be talking about uh, is how the Holy Spirit, how God joins us and is with us in our work while we are on mission. So we're going to look at just some specific examples, and we talked about this at the very beginning when we talked about the Great Commission. Jesus says, when he is about to ascend, he says, don't worry, I will be with you. Until when? To the ends of the earth. No matter where you go, you cannot go somewhere that is too far, too dark, too deep, too high for me to be with you. And so we see that in action and many times in scripture. And so we're going to go through a few of these examples. Today, we're just going to be talking about what I'm calling Holy Spirit Encounters. Now, if you grew up in the Pentecostal church like me, this means something very different than what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, and so uh, hopefully you'll catch on as we go along. But I'm really excited about this because it's very easy that as we do this to uh, want to think, man, I got to do this on my own. I got to work something up. I got to, you know, put up the magic juice and hit them with it. And I got to figure out the best things to say. And we've touched lightly on a few of these things. But really what we're going to see is how God guides us and is with us in our mission. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40 today. Uh, And this is a story of the conversion of a eunuch. The story of a conversion of a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. Um, And so we're going to start in verse 26. And this is a a God encounter that this eunuch has with a Christian. And reading through the story, we're going to be able to just learn about what it means to be on mission. So we're going to start in verses 26 and halfway through 28. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a desert place there. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And so we see right here two characters are introduced. Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch, this poor guy. That's what he's going to be known for for history. So Philip, he is one of the seven, it says he's one of the seven people that were chosen in a couple chapters before this, Acts chapter 6. They needed a few guys to help serve the tables for the widows. There was a big dispute, so they pick a few guys to do that, and Philip is one of those guys. So this is a guy that was just chosen to serve in what the church was doing, but we see that all of these guys that were chosen to serve that God works in them in much more powerful ways, that God uses them in incredible ways as they say yes to serving in the church. And so Philip is one of these seven dudes that is picked to serve. Later on, we see that Philip is an evangelist. He is somebody that the Holy Spirit uses to go to all these different towns strategically to preach the gospel, and he's used in this passage here uh, to also preach to this Ethiopian man. And The second character we're introduced to is this Ethiopian guy. He is from uh, the Nubian kingdom, which is south of Egypt, right? The uh, Ethiopian queen. He works for her and manages her money. So he's basically her accountant. Uh, This guy is a very wealthy guy. He has enough means to hire a chariot, go uh, on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, 
purchase a scroll, which is not very easy back then, and he knows how to read. So this is a wealthy man. This is uh, somebody of means that has people in his employ um, because it's not an easy travel. I mean, think about like, I can't even imagine without cars and planes going to Washington Heights, you know? That just, like, is already far enough on the train or the car to get there. I feel like I'm going to another country. Imagine back then, you're literally going to other countries by horse. Like, it was a long process. And so, this Ethiopian guy from the southern part of Egypt goes to worship in Jerusalem. So, he is most likely what is called a proselyte or a Jewish convert. Or uh, he was maybe even just a Jewish person by birth who is from the Dispersia, which is when the Jews, they were dispersed several times throughout history, and they lived in all different uh, parts of the known world at that point. And so he may have just been one of these guys, but most likely uh, he was a Jewish convert, uh, a court official, uh, and like I said, the queen's accountant. And so what happens? An angel comes and he tells Philip, I want you to go here, and that's it. He doesn't tell him anything else. So that's his instruction. Just go to this place. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know who he's going to meet. He doesn't know that he's about to lead somebody to the Lord. He is just told, go to this place. So Philip gets up, and he goes there. And who is there? This Ethiopian eunuch. He was returning from Jerusalem from his time of worship there. And so... Here's two random guys in a very random place, but with a very God-ordained encounter. Let's read about it. It says, he had come up to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, the Ethiopian, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament, and the Spirit said to Philip, so the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip finds this random guy in his chariot, and the spirit says, Go to this man. So Philip runs over to him, and he hears the guy reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so this is a great open door. Philip thinks, okay, you're reading from the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what you're reading about? The guy says, I have no clue. He's just reading it. If you're thinking, how did he know what he was reading? Because back then when people read, they usually read out loud. So nowadays you're taught at a young age, read, you know, what's your inside voice? Read, don't talk out loud. Uh, Back then it was common practice when they were reading something, they read it out loud. So Philip hears him. He hears him reading says, do you know what you are reading? The guy says, how am I supposed to know? He's not a theologian. It's not like today where we have Google, where anything that we don't understand, we just ask Google and, you know, out comes millions of people's opinions on the subject. We, we have the disease of becoming an expert in anything in 20 minutes. <laughs> that was a bit sarcastic as well. We think we're experts. So they start to have this conversation about what he is reading. And it turns out, as we're about to see, what he is reading is just is insane. It is one of the most well-known prophetic utterances about Jesus in the Old Testament. We'll read it in a second. But when you think about just what this man happened to be reading, this is one of the most powerful prophecies of Jesus 
that the Old Testament has to offer. So Philip comes on board. He jumps in his chariot. He's like, all right, buddy, let's do this. He goes in, and they begin to read. They see where he is open to in the scroll of Isaiah. And it says, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So this passage is speaking about Jesus as you read the Gospels, you realize this is what happened to Jesus as he stood before his accusers. He was silent. He was unjustly accused of a crime and then put on the cross and put to death before. And the scripture describes this prophetic that, that happened hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, that he was like a sheep that was led to the slaughter. And if you know anything about uh, what that looks like, I'm assuming most of us don't because uh, I didn't either, but really sheep, when they, they lead the sheep to the slaughter, they make sure that the sheep doesn't know what's happening. So innocently being led to be killed, this kind of innocent person as he is described in scripture. And so this passage is speaking about the Savior, speaking about what just happened in history. And it's just incredible as we think about this encounter that happens here. Uh, last week we talked about how uh, when we talk about our testimony, I think this was actually a couple weeks ago, how many times we just try to say, man, that was coincidence or that wasn't God. And it, it, this is not coincidence, people. God and his spirit is in what is happening here. So verse 34, it says, And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with, his, with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So what happens is the eunuch has a question. He's reading this, and if you've ever read Isaiah, it's not the easiest book in the Bible to read. The major prophets, which are the ones that have long prophecies like Isaiah, can be hard to get through. And so if you read it without some kind of commentary or something to explain what's happening, a lot of times you just get lost. And so the same thing is happening to this eunuch right here. He's reading this, and, and he's just lost. What is happening? A common question back then, was who is Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about the Messiah? Is he talking about Israel? Is he talking about somebody else that is to come? Who is he talking about? And so Philip hears this question. He, he's reading the scripture with him, and what happens? He realizes this is opportunity to share the good news with this man. And so what does he do? It says that he opened his mouth. I love that. He opened his mouth. You just got to open your mouth sometimes. Don't let it stay closed. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So he said, all right, I'm going to explain right here. Let's, this is a great starting point for me to tell you about Jesus. And then he tells him the good news of Jesus. I love that. He shares the good news of Jesus. He opens his mouth and shares the good news of Jesus. Right? He doesn't let this opportunity pass him. He allows the Spirit to speak to him. And here he is in this moment, perfect opportunity, and he tells him about Jesus. We don't know what he said. All we know is that he started here, and then he began to preach this man about Jesus, proclaim the goodness. And so how does 
this guy respond. It says in verse 36, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He hears the gospel, the eunuch, and he says, let's do this. Like, I'm ready. He, let, let us... There's, there's, a, there's probably a little pond, a little lake right there. We're going to stop the chariot. I am going to publicly proclaim my salvation and my belief in Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to stop me. I love these encounters that we read about in Scripture because sometimes we have, as people, systematized everything in Scripture. And this guy says, nothing's stopping me. Let's stop right now. And Philip's like, all right, let's do this. They stop the chariot. They jump out. They jump in the water. Philip baptized him. When he's done being baptized, the Holy Spirit says, Philip, I don't need you here anymore. I'm going to take you to another town. He teleports to another town. And then the eunuch, what does he do? It says he rejoices. He rejoices, right? This guy just disappeared in front of his eyes. He don't care. He is going to heaven. His life is changed forevermore. And what do we see throughout Scripture, all throughout New Testament? What is the sign of repentance and belief in Jesus? Rejoicing, celebration. And this is what he does because when you are the prodigal son, when you come back to your father after spending your inheritance, after turning your back on him, after denying him at every turn, and what happens? You get a party thrown for you. So this man, he rejoices. And Philip, he preaches to this person and then God takes him somewhere else and says, I want you to go preach to this town. And he begins to preach the gospel in those places too. And so this is, this is a few things that we need to learn from this. And the first thing is this, that God is sending us Holy Spirit encounters to lead others to Christ. God is sending us Holy Spirit encounters to lead others to Christ. I'm going to share with you three stories. Uh, two of these stories happened just in this past week, but... Uh, one story is a personal story of mine that happened in the last few months. Um, you know, sometimes I have weird relationship with God and how he speaks to me. Uh, uh, randomly, a lot of times, uh, when I wake up, God will speak to me as soon as I wake up. So the moment I wake up, I will just hear God leading me to do something. So in the middle of January this past year, I woke up. I don't know what I was dreaming about, but I remember waking up and God said, to me, text this person, you need to go hang out with them. And uh, just like, okay, my, my friend, you know, I've, I've known this guy for a while, he's a good friend, Christian, all these things. I mean, I knew it had been a while since we talked, but I was, I don't, I don't know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to listen to you, God, I have no clue what's going on right now. So I text the guy, I was like, yo, you want to hang out soon? So we set a date, uh, he, he lived in the nether regions of the other part of New York City, uh, so we didn't get to hang out as often as usual. And so we set a date for a couple weeks in the future. That day comes, snowstorm, boom, hits on a Saturday. Uh, and if anybody knows me, you know, A, I'm an introvert, and B, I'm a homebody. 
Uh, on Saturday, that is my day off. I don't see anybody. Uh, before Heather and I started dating, even when we started dating, Saturday, I did not see anybody till around 7, 8 o'clock at night every single Saturday. Like, they left my food at the door uh, because I didn't want to see, you know, I'm just kidding. Nobody served me crap when I was growing up. I had a, I had a box of cereal and milk. That was my food all day on Saturday. Um, and so when I started dating Heather, I was like, all right, I'll come around on 4 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll, I'll see you then. Start making compromises. Um, and so that, that's me. I, I love to be home on Saturdays. And so the snowstorm hits. My friend texts me in the morning. He's like, yo, are we still doing this? And I was like, yeah, don't worry. I'm coming. And my wife, like, sees this interaction just looking at me like, what is going on right now? <laughs> There's a snowstorm. We got to get the kids ready. You don't like doing anything. Why are we going? And I was just like, I don't know. God told me to do this, so I'm going. And so we hop in the car, snow and all, driving through, get to his house, hang out. Three, four hours into the conversation, this person tells me, hey, Justin, I just want to let you know I'm not a Christian anymore. Blown away. Had no clue what was going on in his life. Uh, I didn't convert him right there. I didn't, you know, a lot of people, we got to use wisdom when we talk to people. And I, what I sent the Spirit was doing was just be his friend and talk to him. You're going to need to engage. And so over the next five to six months, me and him engaged with each other in spiritual conversation. I saw God moving him deeper and deeper. And I just kept saying, God, how are you going to uh, use me? Let me play a role. And so every time we talked, the conversations would get a little bit deeper, but I remember going thinking like, as soon as he said that, the aha moment went off, that God, you set up this encounter. I was the first person of all his friends that he had told, um, and I, I, I remember going home just devastated, but me and my wife, uh, we prayed and knew that it was just a matter of time before the Spirit led him back, and you know, the praise report of that is uh, about a month and a half ago, he called me and he says, hey, I got some good news. Uh, I decided to follow Christ again. Uh, and, you know, that was like that six months of my life was crazy because it was just, you know, you don't know what's going on. And I could have easily said at that point, nope, it's Saturday. It's snowing outside. I got kids. This is not happening. This is far away. But listening when God tells you to get up and go do something you don't know the encounter that he is setting up for you to witness to somebody else. Um, another story. This week, one of my friends uh, was texting me, telling me about uh, an incredible thing that happened with her mom, that her mom had told her that she went and got dinner with somebody this week, hadn't talked to them for a long time, and as they were getting dinner, uh, her friend shares with her, hey, I've been reading the scriptures, and God is changing my life. Can you help me? Right, a random dinner, a random encounter. Let's just get together and have dinner. I'm not expecting for this to happen. I'm not expecting for the Holy Spirit to work. And so what happens? Yeah, I'm gonna help you. Let's go get you a Bible. Let's go talk about scriptures. Let's talk about what this means. Uh, the lady had never been to a church before. So all right, I'll, I'll take you to a church. What church is close to you? What churches do I like? How can I get you there? You just don't know when God is going to be setting you up for an encounter to share with somebody else about the good news, right? The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the Holy Spirit is working right now in people's lives. We may not be able to see it. We may not always be able to identify it, but he is setting up encounters for every single one of us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The real question is, is will we open our mouth? 
Will we listen like Philip did? Another person in the church texted me this week another story of a God encounter that somebody had. She had been trying to get her friend to come to our church for a while, you know, inviting on and off throughout the years as one of her best friends from childhood. A girl couldn't come. And so her friend was going through some hard times, the partying, the drinking, the hanging out scene, uh, and anybody that's been through that scene knows where it leads you. All sin leads to destruction, leads to death. And so the end of all of those things is emptiness. The end of all of those things is destruction. You don't feel good while you're in the midst of that. And the more you do it, the more broken and the more empty that you feel in your soul. And so this girl was feeling that, and she reaches out to her friend knowing that she's been inviting her to church. And so what does she do? She says, hey, I... I you're going through this, can I pray with you? Right, sometimes it's just as simple as that. My, your friend may not believe, your friend may be somebody of another religion, your friend may say, hey, I never want to hear about this. You may have invited them to church a dozen times and they may have said no every single time, but when they come to you in a moment of need, just listening to the Spirit and saying, hey, can I pray for you? She says yes, she prays for her over the phone and after that she says, man, I really needed that prayer. And then the girl takes it another step further. Hey, do you want to read the Bible with me? I love that. I absolutely love that. She, she says, why don't we start reading the Bible tomorrow? The girl says, no, let's start reading it today. Okay, I'll start reading it with you today, right? We do not know the encounters that Jesus is setting up for us. But like Philip, will we open our mouths? Will we open our mouth? Will we obey Christ? Will we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when we are meeting with people, when we're hanging out with people, and we don't know what's going on in their life? We may thought this person will never receive Jesus, but in the split second, they are open to receiving in that moment a prayer, a verse, a word of encouragement leading to the good news of Jesus Christ. This is still happening today. These are not stories that we read about and say, wow, that was really cool. That was, that was awesome. It was great what God did back then. But God doesn't really work like that now. That's one of the greatest lies of the enemy. There are entire groups of Christians, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson that was one of them, that every time there was a supernatural act uh, in the New Testament, he cut it out of his Bible. He said, this is not real. This is not real. This doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. And a lot of times we may not go to that extent to cut out all of the work of the Spirit from our Bible, but we've cut it out of our soul. We've cut it out of our intellect and said, God does not work like that today. God doesn't do those kind of things. He, there's no encounters like that. He is not really working like that, but I have a thought for you. That when the Sadducees came against Jesus, he said this, I am the living, I am the God over the living and not over the dead. The Sadducees were people that did not believe in the afterlife and they did not believe in the resurrection. And God said, you guys are crazy. Do you know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your patriarchs, do you think that I'm God over them as in dead people? No, but I am God of the living because they live with me in heaven. God is a God who is alive today. 
And his power is at work today just as much as it was at work back then. And the Holy Spirit is looking to lead us into encounters just as much today as he was back then. Really, the question is, is do we have people that are willing to listen, to open up their mouth, and to share? See, God used Philip. Sometimes we get it twisted and we think about the story of Paul where Jesus himself appeared to Paul and basically led him through a conversion at that point. We think, oh, this is all God's job. But Paul is the exception and not the rule. Jesus tells us what? He said that he would be with us in our going. That means we are the ones who are supposed to go. We are the ones who are supposed to open our mouths. He will do the work in their life. He will lead them. He will convict them. But we are his agents of his mission going forward on the earth. Us. And we have to realize that this is a job that he says we are supposed to have. And we have to ask ourselves in those moments, will we open our mouth? The mission was for us to go and make disciples. And this last point that I want to share is this, that crowds are important, but so are individuals. Philip was sent to a person, and then he was also sent to a town. We cannot minimize the small task that God calls us to do, witnessing the gospel to just one person. We can't. But we also cannot limit what God wants to do with us. He may have called us to preach to a whole town. See, what I love about God is he is just as much in the small details as he is in the grandeur of everything. See, when you, when you think about creation and you think about the, the smallest DNA strands and the atoms and how intricate that God created everything and to think we're still discovering how small we actually are and how small the universe actually is. They used to think just the atom. When Darwin was around, he thought the atom was the smallest thing in the world. But then they discovered a world inside the atom and still discovering worlds inside of those things. And then you think of the grandness of the universe, that the universe is so far that not even our greatest telescope can see the end of it. We can only imagine and use math to try to project what the universe looks like. And so the universe is this small, but it also this grand. And a lot of times we have to think about the mission of God, that he can call us to do the most minute thing, like just getting up on a Saturday morning to go see our friend. That's part of his mission. Or it could be something incredibly grand, like going and preaching the gospel to an entire town and seeing them converted. Some of us only like the small things, but we limit what God can do with us because we say, that's too big for me. And God is saying, no, I want you to think bigger, that there are encounters that I have set up for you that you are going to miss and they are going to miss if you do not open your mouth and listen to what I have for you. And some of us think, man, that uh, th this conversation is insignificant. It means nothing. It's okay. I can skip it. Maybe there will be another opportunity. And God is saying, no, this conversation may be the thing that opens up their life to receiving the gospel and receiving and believing in Jesus. 
We cannot think that a small task like a prayer or a conversation is too small. And we cannot limit God to what he wants to do with our lives. But we have to really just say to God, no matter how small or no matter how big, God, I will be willing to go. God, it could be to call somebody and pray with them and to read with them, or it could be to stand up in front of some of my friends and preach the gospel. God, I will not limit what you want to do, but what I will do is I will follow you no matter where you tell me to go. We have said, God, I will do what you want me to do as long as it falls within these parameters. And at that moment, you are not serving God, you're serving yourself. You are Lord over your life. You are Lord over what you're doing. You are Lord over your actions and your processes and your thoughts and your life. But instead, let those parameters be gone. Let every, all your comfort zones, all the things we talked about, sacrificing for them, every right that you think you have, every freedom that you think you are owed, every comfort that you think you want, let them be dropped in the name of Jesus so that you can give yourself over to the Lordship of Christ and say, wherever you send me, I will go. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. However I can open my mouth, Father, I pray that I would have courage and strength and grace to open my mouth in those situations that I will not fear man, but I will fear you, that I will not fear the one that can just kill the body, but I will fear the one that can destroy the soul. Father, I pray that we would be a congregation that follows you, that we would be like Philip, that we would open up our mouths, that we would get up and go when you call us to go, that we would listen to your promptings of your spirit. And that we would not put limits and parameters around what you want to do in our lives. I wanna make a call to prayer today as the worship team gets ready for us. And I believe what God wants to release some of us to do today is those who are willing and say, God, I want to hear your voice and I want to obey. I want to pray for you and our leaders will pray for you today. While we worship, uh, you can come up to the front. But I want to pray for those that say, God, uh, maybe you've never heard the voice or you never understood what it meant to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something. I want to pray over you today. That you would hear the voice of God, but I don't only want to pray that. I want to pray that you obey. If you are willing to obey when he calls, I want to pray for you to hear. Because the world has enough Christians who hear but don't obey. What I want to pray for is people who want to hear but will obey. Can you stand with me? At any point during worship, you can come down to receive prayer. If you want to receive prayer for something else, don't worry. You can come receive prayer for something else. Just let the leader who is praying for you know. And whoever is going to be praying, whoever's on, on prayer duty today, if you could just stand up here with me uh, to pray for them. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come right now. That you would open up opportunity for people in our church to witness that we would be people who, like Philip, that we get up and go and that we open our mouths, that we would not limit what you want to do, Father, but that we would obey the word of God. 
and that we would preach the gospel and like that eunuch that we would see people rejoice and celebrate in receiving God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At any moment you may come up and receive prayer.